All right. So I texted you and told you what we were doing, but this is going to be a good one. Just don't like, don't tell me what not to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Carson Daily Show. I'm your host, Carson Daly. Today we are with Eyelids, aka Adam Knoyer. You did it. <laughs> I did it. Adam Knoyer is a storytelling brand nerd and creative director with a ton of experience in brand building, product development, toy and game design, and digital retail marketing. Digital and retail marketing. Adam is currently leading the sexual wellness company Cake Creatively and developing a new Web3 IP called Vampire Surf Cult. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I used chat G- GPT to write that bio, by the way. I love that. I'm obsessed with chat GPT3. <laughs> GPT. What is it? I never can get it right. GTP, PTG. Is Whatever. it? I can't get it right either. Everybody. Well, you know, our friend, our bestie Joe is like also obsessed with it. And he's helped me so much. Like he's the one who was really like, you have yes. to use this. Like, it's so awesome. It helps me like write my podcast questions sometimes. Yeah. He so he was I was like, hey, I need a bio. If I feel like a douchebag writing my own bio, he's I'm like, you know me pretty well. He's like, he's like, honestly, I'll just throw some stuff into chat the the AI chat GPT GTP. I don't know what it's called, but then I was like, oh, perfect, sounds great. <laughs> I love him. He's like help. He like obviously helped do a lot of like the design stuff for Carson Daly Show with mm-hmm. your help too. It's like we've done like a whole family like multi generational oh, yeah. <laughs> like assist on these, but. He was putting in like what types of templates should I make and like sending him back. I was like, you're so good. That's so amazing. But okay, I want to just start. Um, You and I have been collaborating creatively together for almost two years now. And we collaborated on this topic to discuss today. Just the same because why not? It's more fun. So to that, I wanted to ask you, since this is now the Carson Daly and Eyelids show for the day, if you want to kind of be the one to let people know like what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, totally. So fascinating topic for today is just the the overarching kind of deep dive into anonymity and what that means from a branding perspective how it's subverted, you know, web three culture in this, in this place of like, you know, there's all these scams and there's all these characters and there's all these places to go, uh, which a lot of people are anonymous. A lot of artists are anonymous. And I think like digging into the benefits, the positives, the negatives and everything around anonymity and kind of like where anonymity kind of popped up in our lives personally and stuff, I think we is a, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. So much fun. I love it. And I want to add that or like I'm going to add and also like use it to kind of kick off the conversation that this is like a special topic test because one, like we're both nerds and we're both here in Web3. We both love the Internet. We love pop culture. But we also have a shared intimate experience of working with what I call the Web3 Wizard of Oz. My time with <laughs> 888 is so was so deeply like complex and strange and 
like mind boggling. And there's probably like three people in the world who like know about that on like a deep, <laughs> deep level because I brought you all into it with me and you're one of those people. Totally. So we are going to also just for like the clickbaitiness of this and because I want people to know that the Carson Daly show does not come to play. We're going to like demystify 888 from the jump and we're going to fucking refer to him by his name and call him Aaron from this point forward. Okay. So everybody now knows. <laughs> nice. 888, Aaron, we are talking about you. Okay. All of that. It has, <laughs> I thought we should have like a mini postmortem on this. Like I yeah, want to know totally down. like from you, like, because I brought you like we came together. I brought you into it. We did so much together. Mm -hmm. We did something separately, like still with him, got involved, whatever. Mm -hmm. I want to know from you, like what went right? What went wrong? Like, could we have done anything differently? Just like, what's your, I want your postmortem on Aaron, 888, the new world, yeah. 888, everything. Totally. All right. So first I want to start by like, so this was my kind of first like toe in the water of, of web three and NFTs and whatnot. And, um, Carson brought me on to work on one of 888's illustrious or Aaron's illustrious projects. Um, I think the first one we started working on was his marketplace, 888, the new world. And like, for me, this was my first time in here and I was like, you know, super excited and like, just like blown away by the idea that there was, you know, this guy who was going to be funding all this stuff and he was completely anonymous and having meetings with him where like the camera's off and like, you know, his PFP is there and you're like, well, this is weird. Like you're trying to decipher the accent. Like, oh, I can kind of get a location on this. But like that, that was all brand new to me. It felt like, like, and I was, I remember explaining it to like, you know, some of my friends and my family and like t saying like, yeah, I'm getting these paychecks from this anonymous um, benefactor. It was like, it was like a, <laughs> It was it was crazy. It was like a Jason Bourne movie or some shit. Like literally. And so that was just like a an eye opener from like, you know, traditional world of like client agency, you know, corporate life to like now I'm doing work for this anonymous, you know, character. And the character that he like had portrayed, which he did a great job of at first, was like this kind of like art savior. Yeah. And like he did a good job at he did a good job at that for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm but like, yeah, so so just going into that, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. And then once we started getting into things, um, that experience was amazing, like working with you and Megan and Joe and like we were we were kicking ass and like taking names. And and it's funny to think back of like, you know, every time we kind of thought we had like, oh, this is kind of how it's going. This is what this is like, you know, we got a good rhythm here. He would just throw some crazy wrench into the into the gears, right? Of like yep. a new project that he's dropping tonight, or like this or that, <laughs> and it like it quickly became a case of this is not the art savior that I thought he was. It's more of like, oh, how can we, you know, make a bunch of money yeah. really quickly without actually building the thing that we're promising? And that how was like he? a how that can started he happening make a very... bunch of money? Yeah, him because we right, right. Were exactly not. exactly yeah. <laughs> we weren't <laughs> make him a bunch of money. Yeah, literally, <laughs> exactly. I think like that the whole character part of it, like this art savior, like that was the that's for me is like the hardest to like come to terms with for like falling for it mm -hmm. because he has this like because there was this mystery of anonymity 
And because he was like building so quickly and like just he it, a lot of times like a lot of things he says were, were like really over the top but a lot of times like they kind of read and came mm -hmm. across as like actually down to earth like it's not until after yeah. the fact after you like look back on the whole thing that you can like see early messages or early like decisions and actions as being like totally mm -hmm. self-serving and weird but like he had this like fantastical like non-human magic around him and i think also like the fact that he went by not even like a human name made it so much easier yeah. to like suspend suspicion and suspend doubt and like put him on this pedestal and forget the fact that like humans are are like we don't inherently like trust people like maybe some people do but like right. none of us are like above the ability to do bad and like to act poorly and to treat people poorly and i think like right. that is the weirdest part and like it, it like i said like hardest part for me to like grapple with is like how could i be so stupid like but we weren't the only ones who were like with that like so many people were no and it, it blew my mind like you're my first day working with you guys you brought me into a meeting with g monk who i was like such a huge fan of and i've been looking up to for years and like followed his work and all of a sudden i'm in a meeting with him and it was all around the, and like g monk had been doing work for him and and like and, I, and like that whole and like look at his roster of of the people that were working on like um eight at eight the new world like he you know fooled a cast of really elite designers and artists and like personalities and like the shittiest part is is like all the all those concepts and designs that we were like you know working on and like we thought there was a back end to and we thought there was development happening they're all they're all really good ideas and they all so have like really good. good principles and things and it's like if if the if he just like made the thing like it would have been a, it would have been amazing I, I i totally could see that being a wild success but it just felt like it was never the thing it was a shell game it was a it was a big shell game at the end of it all it's so weird because like you said like yeah people like g monk like gala games like the global esports federation like all these us like all these people who are like really good, mm -hmm. really like well-meaning, talented, professional fucking people, like in some parallel universe where this like came to life, it actually would have like been a game changer. Yeah. It actually would have been fucking sick. Like, and even all the other random things about like, oh, metaverse gallery and blah, blah, blah. But like, if it just were like a marketplace mm -hmm. and a platform for artists, like, it would have been amazing. Mm -hmm. It would have been built by like at the time, the most relevant, committed and like good intended, like well-meaning people in the fucking space. And I think that's like, I want to ask and like talk a little bit about like, do you think that like everybody's ability to kind of like suspend doubt and suspicion and just like trust like wholeheartedly, do you think that like where we were in the time of like NFT adoption and like onboarding mm -hmm. and just like the general hype and hysteria around it. Like, did that contribute to, to like everybody kind of falling for this? A hundred percent it did. Right. It's like this, it's like this brand new world. I mean, he even called the marketplace, the new world. Right. And it's like, you know, for me as like a, I've been in the design industry, branding, branding and product and all that stuff for, you know, 10 plus years right and all that stuff's great and everything but like every once in a while like something new will pop up i relate 
the NFT subculture to the first time when I was a kid and I got like AOL with like a free 1500 hour disc. And I remember going on there and just my mind was blown. Like I couldn't believe like, and this, it's just stupid. I was a kid, but it was like going into chat rooms, creating these little, like, you know, going into like niche chat rooms around like, you know, art and design and things like that. And like, you know, downloading my first illegal copy of Photoshop and like, but it was just this world over like all of a sudden it was a key to a door and it unlocked something that like blew my brain out of the water and I was just mesmerized by it. And I hadn't felt that since that. And then when the NFT subculture started brewing up and it was like, you know, it was like there was tons of money floating around and it was like everything like it was like a coming from a place of like, you know, abundance and like it was just magic. And there was all these characters and all this beautiful art and all these like people that wanted to like help. And it was like a truly magical moment. And like looking back now, it's like almost laughable of like, oh, that was I thought that was going to be forever. And like the free airdrops were just going to keep coming. And like, you know, and like it was just going to be so easy. And like the communities were always going to be these like really cheery, amazing places. But like when you put groups of people together for a long enough period of time, it, like the the shine rubs off and it gets a little weird. And like that's totally normal. And it's totally happens in every other culture and, and subculture and whatnot. But like in that moment and like where we all were at the time, it was like there was just so much magic in the air that it was so easy to bite onto these things and think that they were, you know, legit and they were going to last in perpetuity or whatever. A hundred percent. Another piece too, is that like that marketplace we were, or we were all were working on. Like think of the timing of that too. Like if, if that was real and it really happened, it would have been like right at the perfect time when like, you know, the consensus against like open sea being kind of a shitty brand and like, you know, the like, it was just like could have been the thing if it was real, but it it turned out it wasn't real. <laughs> Which is like the hardest part of even being like, oh my god, if and because it fucking felt real, like it felt so real. Like every day we worked on it and we believed like the shit that we were doing, like it it was very real. And I think that's like we're gonna mm -hmm. talk a little bit about like you mentioned like communities and everything and like how like things are bound to change. And I think like that's one thing that we didn't factor in is like when we all like kind of came mm -hmm. into this space, like the NFT gold mine, like the gold rush summer of love as Kitty calls it. Like yep. we were like, everything's going to change. Everything's going to change. And what we didn't realize is that everything was going to change, but that didn't necessarily mean for the better. And like, that is where totally agree. that's like where we all got, I think really tripped up, but Okay, to kind of keep the conversation moving, but also because I don't want to only talk about like Aaron the whole time. <laughs> we're going to play two truths totally, and a lie. Totally. You're going to play two truths. Since we were fed so many lies and we still don't know which one was, what was the fucking truth or not. We're going to play two truths and a lie, eyelids edition. Okay, so over to you. Tell oh, cool. us two All truths right. and a lie. You don't have to tell us which one's the lie because we're going to keep on theme here. Perfect. And I think like I'll give a little bit more context to these, so it'll be I'll put these out here now, and then if you listen to the rest of the episode, you, I bet you can kind of like dig in and and figure out which ones are a lie or not. Okay, so one, I have a anonymous pseudonym OpenSea account with pixel art that has done sixty ETH in volume over the last year. Two, in my entire time on the internet, I've never created a troll account on any social media platforms and three 
when I was 12 years old, I used a bootleg Photoshop to create a fake AOL account recovery page and sent it out and stole over 2,000 credit cards at my public library to stay anonymous. I'm obsessed with these. Oh my God. I like, we've spent a lot of time together. Like, we're real life friends. We talk about work, we talk about our friends, our family, our homes. Like, and I don't fucking know. Like, because I can see (laughs) you doing all these things, but I can also see you. I can also be like, no, there's no way he would do all these things. Like, (laughs) or potentially incriminate myself on a podcast. No, 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 no. What can you do? I love it so much. (laughs) Um, Okay. Let's now talk about like early anonymity on the internet. Like, for me, it is once you think about like how basic it is, like you brought up AOL, like AOL in screen mm-hmm. names, like screen names could have been like a form of anonymity. Like I was going on Omegle and chat roulette when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like that was a form of like anonymity and digital identity. Like let from your perspective, like your experience talk, like tell us a little bit about kind of what that, like what that early history of anonymity was like from your experiences and like maybe then we can talk about like how we got to web three and like what the obvious and like the subtle and not so subtle like adoptions of anonymity here are totally so i think like what i wanted what i want to start with was like is like just that like the the aol error the first time me like you know logging in and creating a username like and the idea of a username like i mean we have to create them for so many things now but like Back then, like I remember sitting at my like my big boxy computer in my parents' computer room and being like, you know, I was I was making a choice of like how I wanted my identity to be on this new frontier, right? Yes. And it's like there's something magic to that and like there's power in it, right? It's like, do you wanna come off as like, you know, I remember like I think at the time I like my first screen name was like based on like a WWF wrestler or something like that. Um, or like mine was Mine was Daddy's Girl <laughs> because Perfect. my dad helped me make it. So Aww. some things don't, some things translate differently. But <laughs> there's a through, there's a thread here to pull. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like, but there's just uh, there's there was just like like so from that from then on right. It's like I remember that like really succinctly like sitting there and thinking and being like, oh, what is this? And then like, you know. Um, for me, like the movie, and this is kind of like so stupid, but like in like, I think it was like 1995, I'm like 10 or 11 years old. I see the movie Hackers and it's like Angelina Jolie and it's like this super cheesed out, you know, 90s movie about like this underground, like computer hacker scene of like these like kids that are like going to hack the Gibson mainframe of some oil company or whatever. Um, but in that movie, they all have really, really sweet handles. You know, acid burn, crash override, serial killer, Nikon. And I remember just like being obsessed of being like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like these people have these like, you know, alter ego, cool code names, basically. And I was like, oh, that's incredible. And like, that was my like personal experience of like, that just blew my mind. I was like, oh, that's the coolest thing. So like, immediately I'm like looking up, like, I remember being at a library and looking up at like physical books on like computer hacking or like computer security in 1998 or whatever 
And it's hilarious to think back on of like, I was going to sit there and read a paper book nice. about a computer language. <laughs> like, and it's like, it's so anachronistic, but, but overall, like, so that I, that whole concept of like the badass kind of like character building stuff that comes along with a nickname or a handle. The only time I can remember, like it sticking out to me before the internet age was like, you know, going into the city like Boston or whatever and seeing graffiti and seeing people's tags and things like that. And then like now looking back as like, you know, someone who's been working in branding for a long time is like, you know, I was at least aware enough to read, like read the name, see the art and like, you know, put those two things together. And it like made my mind wander of like, you know, it could be like, a, like a, it was like, a, I remember like this one, it was like, It'll, it'll never forget it. And I was like, I can't, I think it was like right around the time I was like learning to read. So it was a big deal to me. It was like on the side of like a, um, a bridge, there was like a pig's head and it said shit pig next to it. And just thinking about like what graffiti artist, like it, it was shit pig, um, that was tagging this, but like the pink on the rusty old bridge and like the way the letters played off each other, like. That shit's stuck. I'm 37 now. That shit's has stuck with me to this day. So like avant-garde. branding masterclass, <laughs> right? <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, it's like those kind of things, right? And it's like that's the magic that makes your mind wander. Because I'm like, I'm like, who's shit pig? I'm like, well, I wonder what shit pig does during the day. Like, what is this whole like? It's like you know, it just it just makes your mind wander. And I think that there's like that's there's magic there. After the like you know the screen names and handles, I remember succinctly like. Daft Punk and MF Doom and like these pop culture icons that were also anonymous in in their own ways, you know what I mean? And um and like the idea of like creating a character versus having to rely on your like your personality or or you as a human. There's just a lot to unpack there too of like and it goes back to what you were saying like because of the anonymous factor like do you think if Daft Punk were just like too nerdy regular ass dudes would they have the same success in mystique and all that stuff that like once they put on the mask i don't know i i as a huge fan of storytelling and like comic books and villains and all that stuff i'm like i love all that stuff i love the mask i love the 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 storylines that help tell these like you know help tell these stories for the work itself and not have to rely on who's that person as a human like what are their personal beliefs what are their religious political any kind of like i don't need any of that i just want the story and i think there's a lot of magic in in being anonymous in in creating a, a pseudonym that can do that well that is so well said and it, it is exactly magic because like even just listening to you talk about it i like recall a couple of things like fr from pop culture from like my own experiences like we are we were taught that like this is magical like think about okay so you've got cinderella mm -hmm. like this is the i'm going to give two examples mm -hmm. that, like everybody will know easily cinderella the story is there's this you know this daughter who is treated horribly by her stepmom and her stepsisters and she has to clean and there's a ball and you know the prince she goes to the ball she gets all done up she just changes her dress really and her hair and her stepsisters mm -hmm. don't recognize her. Like her stepmother doesn't recognize her. She falls in love, loses her glass slipper with the prince. The prince comes. He has no idea it's mm -hmm. her. Like she's back in her clothes. Like, so a dress, like a, a, a literal scene of magic from your fairy godmother. Mm -hmm. Yes. This mask 
can alter your identity to such an extreme that you can change your whole life. Second example is as if people don't know Clark Kent is Superman because he puts on glasses and he wears a suit. It's like right. we were we were fed. I mean, there's millions more examples, but like we were fed these stories, totally. which then told us that we can be better, like more accepted, yep. more successful, more beautiful versions of ourselves if we create this character or wear this mask or kind of have this identity around us. And I read a while ago, like probably it was like last summer or something, like I read this article about like the impact of like new media and new technology. And basically like going to reference my notes, but basically it was like individual, our individual desire and abstraction from like our true self and like our real life is what drives us to create these digital identities in a virtual world. Mm -hmm. But then w the outcome and the success of those identities then have like this imperialistic, like butterfly ripple effect on our lives mm -hmm. and in society that expects us to then be treated a different way or go out into the world and treat people a different way or whatever, where it has like real life implications. And then changes culture like that's what changes culture and like that's exactly what i think that's like, interesting was, it is interesting and like that is this whole like idea of like it creating this like imperialistic effect like that was literally the thesis of the paper right. it reminds me of like the aaron stuff and like the 88s and everything that happens in like the crypto space because you become like a, a like twitter influencer and you like in niche Twitter influencer, like in the Web3 space, and you think that that fucking means anything in the real world. And it literally right. doesn't. Right. Like, it, it doesn't. Totally. And I think like it's funny in the anonymous nature of it, though, like my, my girlfriend does like brand work and she's like a quote unquote influencer. Um, and it's all tied to her actual identity. And like seeing her day to day and like the struggles that she goes through and like the, you know, criti criticisms, the pressures, the like, I don't want to do this to upset a brand or a person because it's me and there's no logging off. She can't log off of her own identity, right? I keep going back from like the negative and the positives of anonymity, but like, I think this one's a gray area, but it's like this idea of like, you don't have to live it it's like you can take the mask off and put it on the shelf in a way and if if all goes bad which we've seen in the in the web3 space a hundred times um a lot of people use it to kind of skirt accountability and put the mask down on the shelf and never come back to it and it's like that rinse and repeat idea of like i can create these new identities and when they don't go the way i want them to i can just throw them off and put on a new mask there's something like diabolical there yeah. But there is also like this kind of beautiful thing of like, you know, people who are having a hard time or, you know, like don't have a, an identity that they're like, you know, in their, in their personal life that they're, you know, want to show the world or whatever. And like being anonymous kind of gives that um, ability to them. And it's like, you know, you don't have to like live your shortcomings or like share your whole history or mm -hmm. something like, you know, whatever. But there's, there's a flip side to it, right? It's like, it can be used for bad or good, like, like anything else. Totally. Totally. And I think like 
your example of like your partner, your girlfriend and Anne's like her that she has like a digital identity that is very much her own identity. Like there is very little like separation between self and like at least what she can show is like one end of the spectrum. And I think the other end of the spectrum and where it gets dangerous. And like we said, like when it comes to Web3, we knew everything would change. We just didn't know if it was for the better. Is that like because of the nature of the blockchain and of the nature of decentralized digital identity, there are not really tools in place for accountability. So it makes it really easy for people to spread accountability. And then you get into this, this like, really dangerous, like you said, diabolical area where real people like in I'm going to go back to like our shared experience, like real people like us, who to an extent have a digital identity that is separate from our real identity. We are, I think, in control of what we what we like how we cross those paths. Like we have both as like eyelids Mm -hmm. as Carson Daly, like we pick and choose where we want those identities to to intersect with our real identities. But because of that, people like Aaron then put off this like huge fucking nuclear bomb and the mushroom cloud is like that you've like people have attached themselves to you in ways that Mm -hmm. they can't unattach. And like that's where, you know, I think reputation is really like at risk here. And it's so easy. Like we just Mm -hmm. don't know if there's another Anon that has popped up and that is gaining traction with a different character, different identity, that is the same fucking person. And there's just no way to be able to... 100%. To, there's no way to be able to track that. Like, I just... I can't see, like, where we go from here. Like, how we create, like, a better outcome and a better future where people can have Anon identities. They don't have to be... Like, it doesn't have to be the option of, like, your girlfriend, like, being so herself and, like, having those things so connected mm-hmm. that it it infringes on your real life, like, your, you know, day-to-day life mm-hmm. and decision-making. But then you don't have somebody who's, like, Aaron, who can just completely fucking fuck up the whole thing. Right. Like, what do you think? Like, where is the... Where is our out here? It's yeah, there has to be some sort and like this is future talk, but I love that stuff. But like there has to be some sort of like digital fingerprint that is connected to you as a person. You know what I mean? So no matter how much you skirt or, you know, try to evade your digital identity, your digital your digital barcode or whatever, like there's gotta be a way to to succinct like to make those make sense. And I think like also like the idea of you know, and this is kind of black phone, uh, black. What is it? Black mirror ish. Black mirror, yeah. <laughs> black but like phone. a like a rep. <laughs> black mirror, like so. Um, this idea of like reputation and like reputation score or whatever. Because, like, I don't know. There's, there's got to be technological ways to figure that that problem out. I think at the end of the day, you're always going to have like the aberrant, evil, like deceptive, like we're going to, I'm going to try to deceive and like, you know, try to, you know, exploit a system to like, for my advantage, like, that's always going to happen. But I think like, as we, as the space it, like grows up, I think a lot of it's going to be like, you know, I'm not going to interact with this account if their reputation score is below X or whatever. I don't Maybe that's not the right answer, but like, there's got to be some sort of, you know, it's almost like digital fingerprint accountability that is like, you know, a social 
I don't know. Part of me when I say it sounds like, oh God, it just sounds like, you know, <laughs> 1984, like kind of like grossness, but like there has to be. There and, like, has to be. Maybe, I like, mean, we have it in real life. Like you have a criminal mm-hmm. record. Like if you, you know, hurt somebody, if you steal something, like that is part of your record, which like to, uh, you know, we're not going to get into a whole like conversation about criminal reform. Obviously, that's necessary. Like there's some no, things totally. that are terrible, but <laughs> there are also some things that are a protection to everybody else in society. Like there is still an opportunity in a decentralized digital future to have accountability systems in place and reputation systems in place. And like when I first came into Web3, I worked for a company called Crucible, which is now Open Meta. Like they are building Open Metaverse. They had this very like thing, kind of this very infrastructure in place that they were planning. And it was basically like you could like other people could kind of make on chain like transactions or or claims, I guess, like can can say something about you and what you've done. And other people can back mm-hmm. those up and other people can support them. Other people can like right. repute them or what refute them, whatever. Like, and it's not like it's meant to be so like militant or whatever, but there should be, you know, some type of there has to be some type of not policing, but like management. And like, that's where I think when we govern, like self-governance means that like we are all, in order to have self-governance, we all have to act within not the best like of our interest, but the best of the interest of the entire community. And that's just, we're so far away from that. Like as humans, we're so far away from that. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Especially it's like, I think like one thing that I can say from a personal choice that I've made recently, like I... The project I'm working on now, like we're getting into like pitches and we're 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 figuring this thing out at like uh like the art's done. We're we're in the business mode now. And I made like the the decision to not be anonymous here, like and and have a fully doxed team. Um so like part of me is like, okay, why did I choose that? Like I love the idea of anonymity, I love the idea of character creation across like a development team. I think those stories are super powerful and cool. But I made the decision because of what has happened in the space. And I want the, you know, I want people to trust that we are not, trust us and in, in trust our pasts, like in our, you know, our work history, our, you know, what we've done in, you know, from a PR perspective or whatever for the whole team um, versus saying, hey, we're just going to like put this thing out and we're going to make up this story about our dev team versus telling you who we actually are. And that was like a that was like a big decision. It like took a long time to like think through the ramifications or like the ups and downs. And we've seen like, you know, two of the biggest two of like the most fun projects that I've had, you know, I got in when they were anonymous dev teams like Board Ape Yacht Club and, you know, the Goblins. Like those were really two fun anonymous teams that were uh that did a really good job at that. And it that mystique and that mystery like really led to some like magical moments and like and there's some beauty there, whether, whatever way you cut it. And then like, you know, but like coming out the gate and making the decision to be docs. It, and it's not like I, it's not like no one's forcing me to do that, but it is like a, because of what's happened in the culture, I'm making this decision from a business perspective. And I'm thinking that I'm not unique in that sense. And I think like the, the space will move towards that. And like, you know, um, it'll become more of a norm to attach, especially when, you know, 
if you're a consumer, you know, where you're deciding where you're putting your money is is doing that in a place where you know if there's not a reputation already built or past successes or you know a, a track record for that anonymous pseudonym, at least you can like you know believe in their you know actual identities. I think this is like this is really important, and it is also this is also like a subject I think when we talk talk about like digital consent as well because like I have you know, from like a feminist perspective, like I think about consent in a lot of different ways. Like consent is not just like sexual, it's like boundaries, personal boundaries, whatever. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to like digital consent, I've always felt like, you know, having a cell phone, like having an iPhone where your messages, your calls, your emails, your notification, like all your socials are all there. You know, I have a really hard time with this idea that because you're available, because you might be on your phone, because all of us have our phones on us at all times, I should be expected to like reply to somebody right away or to like, you know, open myself right. up to somebody to for communication right away. Like that is consent. And I think consent around anonymity totally. and around like self-identifying is also important because the decision that like you and your team have made is very well like part of the times. Then like you brought up Board Ape Yacht Club and like the Yuga Labs founders were doxxed. Like for people who don't know, doxxed their ident- true identity was revealed against their, you know, sometimes people can self-dox, but their identity was revealed and it was kind of against their consent. I think it turns out probably that this is a, it was actually like a good thing in the long run, but we have this, like, I can't tell if we've got this, like, then the, before I move on, like the last thing is just that like, as, as you know, and mostly everybody knows, like my partner, Kid8, is also pseudo anonymous mm-hmm. like people have heard his his voice they you know know information about him without knowing like who really the man behind the mask is and that is like totally. a, a decision that doesn't make him like any less or more trustworthy but i do think that whichever way you put it people do have an obsession of kind of figuring out who's behind the mask like who's behind the account who people are and that's why you have this like you know unconsented doxing like where do you think that comes from especially as a generation of people who grew up with superman and grew up with cinderella and you know grew up with these these heroes and characters whose identity is not revealed like but then you've got scooby-doo and they can't wait to show who's behind the mask like where (laughs) does this like these these like competing kind of desires like how where do they come from like why do you think they exist yeah, i think it's a, it's a, the simple human trait of you want to know what no one else knows right Ooh. if you can be the first person to figure out that answer whether it's like you know for your own you know justification or if like something you want to share or whatever but i think like just that that core human part of us that's like we want to know the unknown and like, the, mm. the, like, I think there's something really powerful behind that. And I also think like the idea of like, you know, with any fandom, you know, if you're following something, it's like you want the inside scoop and you want to know, like, you know, like, here's here's a great example of like, um, you know, two really well-known artists in the space. Like, first of all, Kid 8 has done an amazing job of like, you know, the I love the the character that he's built and like the the tone and everything like that, like. Part of me is like, I don't know, is he really like this in real life? And I'm thinking that that's the truth. You can answer that better than I can. Um, but like, 
that the the overall character in the way that he's kind of like and he's built this like you know awesome fan base awesome reputation and he's like the you know a great example of an anonymous like artist like and there's been a ton of those like banksies and and all the graffiti artists from the past and, and whatnot um and i think the magic there like my in my head like my like super easy use case of like how cool it is to be an anonymous like fine artist or like you know artist of that nature is like being able to you know mingle with people and have them view your work or you know consume your work and them not knowing you created it and you getting to have that bird's eye view i think there that is like a, a million dollar you know um cool thing you know what i mean it's like there's something magic about that 100 percent. the other thing i want to talk about was uh like perfect example of like so x copy awesome web3 artist um when i picture x copy i picture him like in a you know sealed neon white room i think he's part cyborg or they are part cyborg they have like a wall of speakers playing Aphex Twin at like 12 volume. And it's like this, like he or they are like completely like in this technological world. And like, this is like, you know, Bond villain character that I portray in my head. And then you have Beeple. Again, like same caliber of like, you know, fancy digital artist. But like Beeple looks like now that I've seen Beeple, he's, he's like, you know, doxxed and, you know, he looks like someone that I would like go drop my dog off at daycare and like he'd be walking in with his golden retriever. Ah, and like and for what it is, it's like there's nothing wrong with that. Like he just looks like a normal ass dude and there's something kind of really cool about that. But at the same point, like when I think about X copy, it's like I create this whole story in my head and like this this like crazy um these crazy visuals pop in of like who this person is and i'm like i want to get to the truth of that because my brain's like oh i wonder like are they like a girl with a dragon tattoo like yes you know they're like <laughs> in all these like cool like london underground on a laptop like making all these like cool pieces of art and then like with people he's fully docked i'm like that dude is probably just like sitting in his like giant house in the burbs like with his feet up like you know making his his daily um, yeah, like flipping burgers. Like but there's something been, like, about like the mystery versus the non-mystery. Flipping burgers in his backyard yeah, exactly. for like his kids' yeah. like play date or something. With like an apron <laughs> that has like a super cheesy dad joke on it or something yeah, like that. Or, like, like an apron that has like a, yeah, an apron with like a guy with a six packs like a six packs body yeah, on exactly. it or something. And they're both magic in their own ways, but it's just funny. It is funny, and I think like I wanted to say like before I forget like two things. Or answer some questions because you've been doing really good answering questions that like the whole, like you said, like the crazy, like magical, um, like aspect or kind of like impact of like being in a room where people are like discussing kind of your art and don't really know it's you. So this is like Kitty has talked to me mm -hmm. about this a lot of like his best disguise is himself, like no mask walking right. around like he is an anon, like a pseudo anonymous person who was able to walk around Art Basel in Miami, unmasked, right. like chilling, attend to the parties, like have a good time, go by his like his real name, like his his gov name, because right. that's his identity. And like it's a it was like an interesting like not to go to relationship talk, but 
it's been an interesting like conversation to talk about how we would how we would if we were to attend events together as a couple because so many more people know me than i know and like my i don't have a disguise like carson daly is carson daly and in a lot of ways carson daly as that character and my likeness is the ultimate giveaway of who is kate because you're the biggest tell Exactly. Because you see two, you see Carson Daly. Your proximity. Exactly. Exactly. You see Carson Daly holding hands with a guy walking into a fucking Starbucks and you're like, okay, I know who this is. And then the second piece of that is like, like you said, like his online identity and like how much of this is character because it very much like Kid 8 is a character. He would be the first to say that like in the same way that evil, like his, his character is also a character and It's we talk about this a lot, like in our relationship, because sometimes like he's a fucking asshole. Love him. He's going to listen to this. He knows (laughs) I love him, but he can be. And he will say to me sometimes like you fell in love with me online, (laughs) like my tweets, like how I talk, (laughs) like, you know, this about me. And I think that's like it's such a like it's worth being like a little bit self like plenty self-aware and like introspective of like what made that behavior as kid eight something that i carson woods like carson woods carson daly like the full dogs that i was like oh my god (laughs) this is awesome like what about that made me think like this is who i'm in love with to then when we're in person like walking around the house or sitting in the kitchen and he says something that's very kid eight-esque that i'm like oh my god you're a fucking dick (laughs) like i hate you (laughs) like that is it goes back to like suspending these like different like managing our expectations and like giving people that are that have this anonymity and that are these characters like a pass to treat us or act a certain way when we wouldn't allow people to act like that like in other aspects of our life that makes a lot of sense and it's like and it must be like a, a inner like the inner dialogue that must be like having to hold those both of those you know identities for what they are on, in, in both senses is like, you know, managing that is, is another crazy thing, especially when it bleeds over into like, you know, it's one thing to be fully digital and like the way you, you know, you're writing, you're writing and typing and all that stuff. But then the, the being in spaces, being on podcasts and, and actually like, you know, taking on the physicality of your pseudo anonymous character or likeness or identity is a whole nother thing, which is like, super fascinating and it like goes to that like level of you know you're basically carrying two identities within one body which is like a a whole fascinating thing too but i do have a question for you like so we talked about earlier like in my answer was like just like the core human um want to know the unknown but as someone who did you know meet an anonymous person online and then build an actual like romantic relationship with them like you kind of went through that thing of like, I'm sure that core human thing of like, I want to know who this person is. Like, uh, can you just like elaborate on that kind of timeline or like the, the, the chase of like wanting to know who this person really was versus who they were online? Oh my God. Yes. That's a good question. Like the first thing that I thought of is that I'm all, when I was growing up, like I, as a consumer of like pop culture, like I was always the person who like 
watched the movie or the TV show and like kind of, if not like wanted to know more, like was like kind of obsessed with like creating deeper storylines. Like when I would read books, Mm -hmm. like cover to cover in a day and feel myself be like, coming up with like these other stories and like and and trying to like deeper analyze like the characters and and just like wanting to know more so i think it kind of comes writing erotic fan fiction yeah about edward cullen and (laughs) everybody (laughs) (laughs) but like so but it is so i don't think it's that much different than your answer of like which is really well said of like that humans want to know the unknown I think for me, mm-hmm. it is like there's something also that's very like self-soothing about like about kind of creating a character. Like when I worked at super, you know, like my super plastic days, mm-hmm. I was super plastic car. Like I had this mm-hmm. m- my entire identity online was built around super plastic. Mm-hmm. Then I obviously left that job and I was really empty. Like who will care? Will anybody care right. about me? Who will I be? How what parts of my life will I present? And then this Carson Daly character mm-hmm. came up who was obsessed with Web3 and and really like wanting to, you know, be a, a head person, like pioneering, trailblazing crypto culture. So mm-hmm. I think like for me, because I knew that there were so many, like that was still such a real part of me, but it was driven by like really deep and like personal and private insecurities and desires and fears. Like I just wanted to know like of Kid 8, what are the insecurities? What are the fears? What are the desires that that are behind like the person who created this character? And it was amazing because he was so, he always shared really, he always has shared really vulnerably online. And like I listened right. to a podcast of his and I was like, oh, my heart, like he's so open. <laughs> and that yeah. I was like, there has to be like, I need to like know more. And I felt so connected right, to right. like the person that was saying the things that I felt about my character building and about my background and like my history and like wanting to get to know, wanting him to see me, I think was a big part of right. it as well. For and sure. I want to no, say that's a super good answer. Thank you. I'm sure he'll listen to it and be like, "Oh my god, babe, why are you so nice to me? You're so sweet. Um, <laughs> why are you being so nice all of a sudden?" I'm like, "I'm always fucking nice." Okay, this is another thing though to transition to this. I think there's something that we have kind of like skirted around, but is important to point out. So when you're talking about somebody like Kid Eight, who is like using his own art his own character his own identity like the character of evil character of kitty to create like in wearing a mask but then you have people who are like aaron like 888 who had his iconic board ape you have people like g money Mm -hmm. who like i have like a g money quote that i want to read who's like he's recently doxxed himself like it was a big moment according Mm -hmm. to like nft now who used a crypto punk like there are what are the difference like we and we're we're talking about brand building here like that's a lot of what we're talking about without mm-hmm. explicitly saying it like what about when you're using another brand or like another kind of statement about yourself and the community that you you are involved in or that you're included in to then build up your own brand and your own digital identity in an anonymous fashion 
that's like so that exact thing is one of the reasons why I think web like a, a, a new a new addition to this whole conversation that web three is bringing to the table, right? So now it's like with all these PFP projects and this like digital ownership and IP right ownership, it like creates this new world of like you know layers to that where your anonymous personality is now also affiliated with this other brand and and like that brand says something about you at some level and like in using that as a part of the narrative which i think is like i mean there's ups and downs to it of course but it opens up a whole new world of like you know um having these kind of like there are people who've taken you know these um existing brands whether it's board apes or cryptopunks or the other millions and they've like co-opted them into their own brands and like you know are now completely you know full-time job working on a working through a digital identity that's based on entirely on a different project which is like that's fascinating to me it's like you know like when it comes to like luxury items there's no luxury item you can buy and then like you know it's now your identity which is like an interesting thing but i think it's like there's they've been we've been doing this kind of stuff forever right like there are countless youtubers that buy a uh, lamborghini and they make that the content piece of their entire program and like there's a lot of them become successful Mm -hmm. but they they co-opted a brand to do it you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. it's like same thing with fashion bloggers and things like that so it's like there's been these little micro you know selections of that of like you know using a branded item using a you know, a fashion line or a designer name to give yourself like, you know, to inform your viewers or your consumers that this is who you align with. This is how you are. This is your lifestyle that you're living. I just think that now because of, you know, the way the Web3 space is and how it's like existing entirely online is that when you're using a PFP or you're like, you know, attaching yourself to another brand, it's just more pronounced because it's like in a lot of situations, the only identity that they see from a visual perspective a lot of them people don't show their faces they don't they don't do anything else uh visually which is a huge part of like you know when we when we look and we hear and we read like i feel like the look piece is super pronounced and especially you know when it's only digital there's lack of like you know a real life um physicality to it okay this just like is like a mind like a light bulb moment like everything that you just said because it's so true like and i've always heard the examples of like you know equating digital assets to like owned assets like your rolex tells the world something about you the type of car it tells the even like if you're a samsung or an, an apple user tells the world something about you but what i am now like what's happening this light bulb and this is like way fucking heady but like are we in this space like what is the argument to like it defend or kind of you know i don't know even agree with i guess like that we are creating a new system of like digital bias like implicit and explicit bias based on somebody's profile picture and somebody's community that they align with because like you mentioned luxury g money had his crypto punk and his whole thing was like you know, I leaned into the crypto punk because it didn't matter what I looked like. But now he's got this like luxury fashion brands that he's launching, which is awesome. Like congrats to him. But I think that because crypto punks were already kind of associated with luxury in this digital space, Mm -hmm. it's easier for him to 
make that, you know, assertion that this is luxury. Whereas like, yes, what if if he had a crypto funk, like if he was funky right. and he said like, then it would just be merch like or same with like kind of kid eight. like we have he has evil and jeevils and devils. And like there are different levels to of luxury to his art and collector ecosystem because it's not connected because it's something he's built like from scratch himself and it doesn't have these connotations or it doesn't have like these kind of messages that are like ingrained in them is it like are we creating this new system for for bias in web3 I think 100% we are I think that's uh that's like a you know I think we do that across many facets facets of culture I don't think there's any di- anything different in and web three in the future, I can see a place where like, if these brands like, like say crypto punks, like remains like this, like, you know, let's call it like digital luxury item. Um, and having like, you know, not as not only people that are trying to say something about themselves or, or like, you know, create a business or spread a certain narrative about their, what they're doing and associating them with like, Oh, if they have a crypto punk, then they're like, you know, they have a certain level of sophistication in this space and that, you know, they've been around for a while maybe, or like whatever. I think we'll see brands also use that as like in the next uphill um, web three trajectory. I think we'll see more and more brands, you know, instead of doing their due diligence and starting from the ground up, they're going to buy into these, um, you know, in the know, like cultures, like basically buy into these projects that give them some sort of street cred in the space. And I think like brands will do that. People will do that. I think we saw that a little bit last time with like American express buying crypto punk and, you know, like certain brands like opting in to buy into these PFP projects in certain places. And I think it's like, you know, it's a matter of meeting your audience or like, you know, um, being compelling, you know, especially out the gate. So it's like someone like kid eight, has already has his you know he's built from the ground up he has his community he has his fan base someone like g money also has you know done the work accumulated the audience um has his fan base it's definitely there's definitely biases but i do think it's a cool way in a different way than i've seen in the past where web3 brings this this kind of idea in where you can own this ip to a certain degree and then use it for your personal brand i think that's kind of like a revolutionary idea but I also totally agree with you. It comes with a ton of bias and a ton of like, um, kind of like cheat code to credibility, which, you know, for it is what it is. But I think like a fascinating part to that is like, um, the idea that you can, you know, say you're, say you're, you're not artistically talented at all. You want to create a platform and, you know, join this culture and then like, you know, build some sort of like fan base or audience or whatever. That kind of thinking kind of gives you a, you know, for someone who's not super brand sophisticated or artistically talented or, you know, has that sort of like in their wheelhouse, it kind of gives them an opportunity to see the landscape, find like their, you know, let's call it their 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 group or their uh their wanted audience and then you know purchase some ip 
aka an NFT or an RPFP that gives them some sort of credibility in that space and can help them grow. Um, I've seen it personally on like, you know, onboarding my friends into the NFT space is like, you know, they'll, they'll get their first, like, and this is during like the summer of love, let's call it, but they would like, you know, think long and hard. And I would be so excited to kind of guide them through and like, they like, Oh, you know, this idea of a PFP is so cool. And it's like, you know, fun. And like they would get one and they would put their thought into it. And then like, you know, immediately, you know, they're brand new to this space, but all of a sudden their first, you know, 20 people, 50 people, hundred people that they're interacting with are from that group. And there's just something really cool there. That's like, you know, you don't see in other places, uh, at least as pronounced as you do in like Twitter NFT or whatever. All of this is so true. And it's like, I can see, I think that there's so much about crypto that is like a, that has the opportunity to be like an equalizer and to be like an opportunity maker and life changer. Like you don't need a lot to get started and to go from nothing to something. Totally. But if you have something to start with, there are definitely strategic inroads to help you like have a leg up and, and it's not necessarily cheating. Like life is about seizing opportunity. It's about, you know, people not, we don't all start with the exact same like credentials and we don't all start with the exact same resources. We're born into different families, socioeconomically, like race, gender, sexuality, you know, where you come from, everything, whatever. Life is not like everybody starts out equal and on the same playing field. So it makes sense that crypto, you know, has that, like it is like that as well. It reflects life. But I think last question I want to talk about for like argument's sake, we talked about people using, you know, these um, already established communities and brands to kind of build up their digital identities, whether that's anonymously or whatever with your ape or your punk or whatever. What about when there's a scenario when somebody has a, a profile picture that is part of a community that then you know acts in a certain way that tarnishes or kind of like puts a stain on the rest of the community like i hate to say it but like Polly and crypto funks like funks had a cool message and i think a lot of times associated to a lot of negativity because of Polly or like even somebody like ox hustler and like you know board ape yacht club like i think a lot of people can can equate like these negative influencers to like being a stain on board ape yacht club like where what happens there like how how does that all work out and fit into this system i try to always like when i when i think about these things is like oh this is a new problem that web3 or nft culture has created but it's a new problem like and when there's new stuff it's like it's it's exciting so like yes i totally think that like you know some members of a community or even the dev team or the people behind it can do you know things that for one if you're heavily invested into the art it can you know literally you're you're financially invested in hoping that these things don't fall apart at the seams or someone does like a horrible act or the brand does some kind of like you know out-of-pocket move but it is the truth to it and it's like and again like because the space is so young and I think like the idea that like as time moves forward and like the way these brands handle themselves and the way these founders handle themselves, it's going to be like a 
in perpetuity, you know, holding the fucking ship together to make sure that like, you know, it's not going to implode on itself. And it's like, you know, we're seeing like, you know, Board Ape had all that scrutiny. Yuga Labs in general had all that scrutiny. And it's like watching them and how they move and how like they're, you know, addressing things. And at the end of the day, it's like where everyone's going to put their value in their in their money. It's like there's no um, there's no guarantees about any of this stuff. And it, like, I think it can happen with any project. And like we've seen it happen over and over again where a founder will, you know, be uh, doxxed or be, you know, outed for xyz or like you know i think at the founder level it's a lot easier to understand but again with web3 being a unique space what you're talking about is like someone who's like a super a super member of the community or champion of the community they can also have a negative impact on the ecosystem in in total which is fascinating and like yes it's a problem but for me that's like i love that problem it's like that hasn't happened before in history with a brand that like you know you can literally be so integrated with a brand and so part of the zeitgeist of the brand itself that you can impact its value overall or impact its community. If you're a big enough asshole, you can you can literally <laughs> impact the trajectory of the entire community as a whole, which is fascinating. You know, especially in these little cosms of like, you know, at the end of the day where it's all cartoon pictures and like I can't take it too too seriously, but there is some fascinating like, you know, socio craziness going on in there it is fascinating and it's not just like socially or culturally too like we won't even get into the fact that like you could have like you said somebody who's a collector that holds so many like somebody like franklin like franklin is bored like somebody who Mm -hmm. literally can prop up a like entire kind of system within the larger system and i think like don't i we can't go down that rabbit hole i'm like thinking like once a month we're gonna have like an eyelid special episode where we like do this because this <laughs> is such like smart bitch talk like i love it so much but it's I super think, fun like, it's so fun but like we like you said we haven't seen this in other areas or industries of pop culture because it's very easy for like you know somebody like kanye west to really tank kind of Yeezy as a brand and tank all Mm -hmm. of his partnerships for something that he says. But we haven't been in a situation where if somebody else who's like random Joe Schmo, you know, guy on the streets, like is saying a bunch of crazy, wild, racist, anti-Semitic shit, and he's wearing Yeezy, like you're not going to point out like, oh my God, he's wearing Yeezy. But if somebody is being crazy and anti-Semitic and, and homophobic and racist on Twitter and they have a board ape like profile picture or another or a, a crypto punk profile picture, it's like that is then taken as a reflection and a stain on that community. And I think that's where right. like that is where like we are seeing these like paradigm shifts socially. And it also is just an argument for how small the space is that one person you know, one actor can really have like such a ripple effect on the thing, but it's crazy. Any last thoughts? This has been like literally the coolest, best conversation I've had like in a long time. No, this has it's been just super so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think like here's here's one little heady piece that like I started thinking about while we were talking of like, and it's just like the you know the the, the onion kept peeling back, but like. You know, we talk about it's so easy to point at your kid eights and your eight eight eights and your ex copies and your all these people are like the epitome of 
pseudo anonymity zooming way far out it's like if you really think about it like every instagram profile every dating app profile like there are layers of you know you're crafting a character maybe it's not anonymous maybe you're using your name or whatever but we all are character builders to some level you know even my 12 year old niece has instagram she just got it this year and I see her curating what she's posting and stuff. And it's like, it's fascinating to know that like, whether we all know it or not, we're all kind of crafting and building characters across all of these platforms. And it's like, you know, to think about that and like how, how you want to do it for yourself and how intentionally you want to be about it and like how far off the, you know, from your reality to your presentation, like what, what, what's the gap there? And like, for me, it's like a lot of people are like, yeah, if you're like, you know, you, you act like you have this great life on Instagram, but like, it's not really real. And to me, it's like, yeah, okay. But like, there's nothing like no one's hurting anyone doing that to a, to a, to a degree, unless it's manipulative or deceitful or whatever. But um, like the catfishing idea, like that's all a bunch of an anons, like, you know, misleading people. But I just want to end with like the, the, the like the crazy idea of like we're all building characters and i think there's something like crazy about that dude so well said like anonymity is a spectrum like there's no like it's not but there's so much gray area especially like in the modern state of like this the the current state of the digital kind of world and and the world that we live in like not even the digital world it's like the real world we live in so cool adam I love you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Just so people know, like this conversation is like, this is literally how we collaborate creatively too. It's like, well, what about this? And what about this? Like always ping ponging. It's so much fun. fun. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Stream Um, of consciousness. So good. You will definitely be back. We'll be working up our next big topic. Like I think people are going to like this. All five people who listen to this podcast are going to absolutely love this episode. Kid 8 included. Kid 8 probably the most. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, Carson. It's always a pleasure to, to hang with you and work with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. I'm Carson Daly. You can't go a week in crypto without Carson Daly. The Carson Daly Show is a production of Decential Media produced by Matt Bogart with music by Woody. Talk to you soon.